You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. On today's weekend preview, a new play opens at Moxie Theater that sets the final avatar of the Hindu god Vishnu in a high school girl gang. KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans is here to tell us about that and some more arts and culture happenings in town. And Julia, hi. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Well, first, we've got to talk about that new play, The Chronicles of Kalki. What can you tell us about that? So it's a play by Aditi Brennan Kapil, playwright. And this is the first time this play has been produced in San Diego. The play is kind of informed by comic books, both in the story itself and also the production style. But, of course, it's also informed by the story of the Hindu god Vishnu. Uh, when the gods take avatars, it's, it's basically an incarnation coming to Earth to save humanity from evil. And Vishnu has a set number of these avatars or incarnations. And so this is supposedly the last one. And so for the last one, for this final incarnation, Vishnu decides to take the form of a teenage girl? (laughs) Right, why not? So it's at a high school, and it's in the form of Kulki, who is kind of this brash, no-nonsense teenager and with a lot of attitude. I have read the script for this play, and it is so funny and quick-witted. A lot of it hinges on Kulki's attitude and her character. Uh, There's also a lot of big ideas going on in the plot, but this package of it, of it being a girl gang, of these being teenagers, it makes it feel so fresh and so relatable. And this week I sat down with Farah Dinga, who plays Kulki, and Desiree Clark, who is not only directing this play, but she just took the helm at Moxie Theater as their new executive artistic director just this week. So this play is also kind of signaling a big new chapter for them as a theater company. And I asked Farah Dinga, who plays Kulki, about what it means to also play a god here to save humanity from evil. So Kulki being the final avatar of Vishnu means that she will inhabit the earth until she has slain all the demons and evil is vanquished. Um, And in a high school setting, that can look a little different than what we might expect, um, which is a, a really fun take on, you know, the final avatar of Vishnu. Um, and what that looks like in practice in this like teen girl gang play, uh, which is really exciting. Kolki is really tough. Kolki is hot. Kolki is confident and kind of funny. And she has been a joy to inhabit throughout this process. And this play unfolds as as a policeman, a somewhat stunned policeman, questions two girls about the disappearance of their friend Kulki, uh, alluding to some sort of hijinks. 
Desiree, can you tell us a little about this situation and how you're telling the story on the stage? Sure. So the mechanics of the play is that our interrogation that happens with the police officer is our modern day. It follows a very chronological order. And then we flash back to the instances as girl one and girl two bring them up in the interrogation. Um, So what we're kind of doing is utilizing tech elements to flash back for us. And as the play is described as kind of a comic book thriller, we do it in a very animated comic book thriller sort of way. So it's really um, at times shocking. Sometimes it's really funny. But the flashbacks are really guided through our technical elements um, and our and our scenic uh, design. Farah, can you tell us a little bit about what's on the line for this for this group of girls? They start the play as awkward classmates on what ends up being a particularly weird day at high school. Is this a story of empowerment? Um, I feel like Koki Koki comes to bring these girls the strength that they already had within themselves as uh, as cliche as that sounds but it's true i think that kolki kind of awakens the confidence um in these two young girls i think that there comes a point in many young girls and teenage girls experiences and, and many just young people um at large where you know you've experienced the world and been told all these things about how you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to act and what the best way forward is. Um, And then it gets to a point where, A, you have to make some mistakes and try things out for yourself. And also you just have to decide what's going to be best for you and what you want to do in those moments. And so I feel like Kolki kind of empowers them with the choice of, you know, being impulsive and having fun if they want to and being okay when things go awry, um, but really just like grabbing life and running with it. And Desiree, I wanted to ask that of you also. What are your thoughts on the empowerment and this particular group of girls? These girls are both at a crux. They're, they've both reached a point in their lives where they need to come of age for whatever reason, whether it's exploring their sexuality or learning about how to connect with each other. And so Kulki comes to them in order to empower them, to give them the strength to make mistakes and to follow through on these things that are maybe deep secrets or opportunities for expression that they don't feel quite brave enough to inhabit. In addition to this Vishnu Hindu allegory, you mentioned that the play has these comic book elements to it. There's there's superheroes, girl gangs, demons, and and these technical elements in your production. And it's also a collaboration between Moxie Theater and Little Fish Comics Studio and Mysterious Galaxy Books. Desiree, can you tell us about that and, and talk about the ways the story is infused with, with comics? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that, well, there is a scene that happens in a convenience store and Uh, One of the girls talks about her love of comics and how she gets engrossed in them. And essentially what we've done is added these comic book elements. So when you come to see this show, 
it feels almost like you're watching a cartoon or a Marvel movie or um, or a comic book that's moving live in front of you. Um, so the elements of the play that are comic book comic booky, we kind of leaned into that and used it as a forum for storytelling, which you know, being that we're in tech right now, has really, really brought this play to life. Um, the elements of rain, the elements of thunder and lightning and people coming in and out of flashbacks and walking into scenes and parties and things like this that happen are only enhanced by a comic book and kind of cartoonish style to it. So this show is very stylized in that way, taking tones from the play and infusing them in the technical elements. I love that. And Farah, I'm curious what your relationship is with comic books and, and superheroes. Is this role something that took you out of your comfort zone or is this completely natural for you? So uh, in terms of like, if it's been natural for me or out of my comfort zone, I would definitely say yes and no. I think uh, Kolki is a lot fiercer of a human being than I am uh, on my day to day, which if you come see the show, maybe you'll know what I mean by that. Um, but for comic books, I've always loved comic books. Um, growing up, I had a cousin that was really into comics and video games. And so I started at a young age being a little nerd baby. And I got really obsessed with the original Catwoman comic books from the 90s. She was just killer. She was this awesome woman um, who was, you know, punching people when need be and getting what she needed out of life in order to take care of herself and her family and her community. And she looked really hot and cool while doing it. And I was like, that's the dream. <laughs> little little third grade far I went. Yeah, Catwoman. That's the one. Um, so I started when I was really young and I continued reading a bunch of comic books throughout, you know, my life and into my adult, uh, my adulthood. So it's been really exciting for me to get to kind of share in this play that involves so many other things that I enjoy, comic books and the references that are in the play, um, and to kind of have my own little superhero moment. It's been really fun. So Desiree, this is not your first play as a director with Moxie, but it is your first play with them after taking over as their new executive artistic director after Moxie's founder, Jennifer Eve Thorne, stepped down last month. And in fact, this is your first week on the job right now. What are your hopes for your role with Moxie? Thank you. Um, yeah, I my hopes and dreams for my role are very much to help Moxie to continue helping Moxie grow. Um, and to challenge the way that we view theater. I think this play in particular is a really good example of the type of theater that I hope to do, which is theater that is challenging uh, to an audience that is uncomfortable, um, things that make us think. And when we leave the theater, um, we're thinking about what we just saw, whether it's, I don't know what I just saw, or if it's, wow, am I that person that I saw on stage? So, you know, my vision for Moxie is one to expand further into the community to really try and engage with with people um, near and around where we are. Um, you know, good theater happens outside outside of downtown and in our communities here in San Diego as well. Um, so we're hoping to engage more with that community as well as just creating some awesome theater, which is what Moxie is known for. 
And I just hope to carry on that legacy for years to come. So that was director Desiree Clark and actor Farah Dinga. Their play, The Chronicles of Kulki, opens at Moxie Theater with previews this Sunday, and it'll run through June 4th. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh, and I'm speaking with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon Evans about arts and culture events happening this weekend. Now, the Chronicles of Kulki is a hard act to follow, Julia. <laughs> how, but how about some ballet? Well, this weekend is City Ballet's production of Romeo and Juliet. So if you have to follow that, follow it with some Shakespeare. And you do you see a lot of spin-offs of the story. There are modernizations and reinterpretations. But this production at its heart is really the traditional, the classic Romeo and Juliet ballet. It's the quintessential tragic love story of two teenagers who fall in love despite being from feuding families. And City Ballet is using the music from the, the traditional Prokofiev piece. The choreography is a 2012 work by Elizabeth Wistrich. She is City Ballet's co-founder and their resident choreographer. And y- you can count on City Ballet for just really great, gorgeous, lush choreography and classical ballet. There's two shows. Both of them are at the California Center for the Arts in Escondido, Saturday at 8 and Sunday a matinee at 2 o'clock. And there is also a new exhibit at the Museum of Photographic Arts, and it features the work of a pioneering woman photographer, Julia Margaret Cameron. Who was she? So she lived in the 19th century on the Isle of Wight in the seaside kind of Um, arts community in freshwater. And she didn't take up photography until she was in her late 40s, until after her kids were all moved out. And she ended up becoming known for innovating the kind of soft blurred close-up portrait. And then also this this kind of like fantastical costumed themed portraiture. Uh, This exhibit comes to us from the V&A Museum in London, the Victoria and Albert Museum, and it has the largest collection of her work, something like 900 objects in the collection, including photography, of course, but also letters and manuscripts. And MOPA in San Diego is actually the first stop of the tour before it'll head to other places around the world. It just opened last week, and it'll be up through early September. And as always, MOPA is free admission or, or donate, pay what you can. Well, speaking of free admission, on Sunday at the Oceanside Museum of Art, a museum admission is free all day. And 
We can actually participate to make some art, making a collective pride flag out of yarn pom-poms. Tell us more about that. Yeah, this is OMA's free first Sunday of the month. Um, museum admission is free all day, but from noon to two, you can also do that, that art making. Artist Katie Ruiz did this in the past where she made this colorful pride flag out of little wool, little yarn pom-poms, and it, it hung on the outside of the museum, hundreds of them. And Katie Ruiz does these pom-pom projects, often always bringing in the community to help make the pom-poms. So you can go and you can do some little crafts, and the flag will be hung up in the museum throughout June, so Pride Month. And yeah, and you can also visit the museum for free, do something crafty, contribute to some big public art that'll be on display in the museum in the future. The The activity is free and drop in, but you can also register in, in advance online if you're worried about it filling up. So let's go to San Ysidro now. The Women Words Weaving Exhibit closes tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. Right. This is at the Front Gallery in San Ysidro, and it is their annual Dia de la Mujer, or Day of the Woman, exhibit. And this is curated also by Katie Ruiz of Pom Poms in Oceanside fame. The exhibit has 27 artists from four different countries, including a, a handful of invited artists. And the work is all really varied. There's sculpture, video, installation, photography, painting, and of course, uh, with the title being Women Words Weaving, there's textile works and poetry as well. So they're having a closing reception tonight from 6 to 8 with DJs and snacks. So if you don't have plans yet tonight, there you are. Let's hear some Latin American music. Latin jazz artist Magos Herrera and Brooklyn writer are coming to the La Jolla Music Society on Saturday. Hey, this is world-renowned string quartet, Brooklyn writer, and their frequent collaborator, Megas Herrera. Um, both have been nominated for a handful of Grammys, and they'll be performing a set of Latin American music. And Herrera has such a distinct voice. This is her that we're listening to with Brooklyn writer on the piece Nina, which is actually in the program for Saturday's concert. <laughs> She is just so expressive, and I love the little vocal improvisations and flourishes. And they'll perform a bunch of music from Mexico, Cuba, Argentina, Spain, and more. And the show is called Dreamers. It's kind of a nod to the role that poets and musicians and songwriters play in, in finding hope and finding beauty during oppression. That's just beautiful. And you can find details on these and more arts events at kpbs.org arts, where you can also sign up for Julia's weekly KPBS arts newsletter. I've been speaking with KPBS arts producer and editor Julia Dixon Evans. Julia, as always, thanks. Thank you, Maureen. Have a good weekend. Yeah.